marriage in today's world. On this episode, John and Tammy Fleischer share their story of coming from diverse backgrounds, learning to compromise traditions and customs, all while fighting for their marriage and finding faith through the process. You'll be encouraged to lean into God and navigate your own differences in marriage as you hear their story. They share how God intervened in each of their lives and drew them close to Him individually, resulting in a deeper connection to each other. Visit marriageintodaysworld.com to view more information about this episode. And now, your host, Pam Beadle. Welcome to Marriage in Today's World. Today we are joined by John and Tammy Flesher. And um, I'm excited for you guys to get to hear from them. We're going to talk a little bit about um, their path to finding faith. Um, but before we do that, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about who you are? You want me to go first? Absolutely. <laughs> well, my name is Tammy Fleischer. Um, I grew up in West Palm Beach, Florida, and then moved to the beautiful mountains of Smoky Mountains, uh, Murphy, North Carolina. And uh, we've been living there for a long time. It's where we've raised our kids. The uh, uh, pinnacle part of our journey was going on a United Marriage Encounter weekend back in 2016, and uh, just kind of the trajectory of that has thrown us into doing ministry together through the years, and uh, it's been a pretty great journey. Absolutely. And I'm John, of course, and I started out in Texas, then Tennessee, then Kentucky, Mm. then Florida, then went around the world, (laughs) and everywhere else in between, and... Um, again, I agree with my lovely bride that uh, our journey really began after having our weekend encounter, and that journey has never stopped. It's just fast forward, and it's an awesome roller coaster ride. Hmm. How long have you guys been married? I'll go ta- ahead. I'll take this. Yeah, one. You, you go for it. I, I'm the number guy. <laughs> Twenty nine and a half years now. All right, we're good. And you have two kids. Two kids. Two kids. Uh, our sons in Raleigh. Uh, second year of college and our daughter's still at home she's a junior in mm. high school and she's also getting her uh, AA degree mm. so we've got one more still at home before yeah. we're empty nesters close got about a year <laughs> very close it's we're just counting the days mm-hmm. <laughs> we did a, a trial run of empty nesting she had a, a trip to Europe she was gone for 10 days and so we called that our empty nest trial run. Mm -hmm. I think we did pretty good. It was too short. (laughs) It was way too short. Yeah, you'll thrive in those years. Yes. But but we waited 10 years before having kids anyways. Mm. Uh, We wanted to make sure we're in the right area and the right frame of mind Mm -hmm. to raise little uh, munchkins. Yeah, so we know what it's like to go out to dinner and not spend $100 because you've got two kids to feed. Great. (laughs) Well, at, yeah. this, at this time, $100 now feeds one and a half. I know. <laughs> Somebody's not eating tonight. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Yes. So tell us a little bit about um, how you guys met, how you got started, oh where you were, what what things looked like well, for you. <laughs> well, I was at college, and one of my college buddies, was uh, his name was Matt, mm. and his girlfriend was Tammy. Ah. And I didn't have anybody at the time because I was – Supposedly very serious in my studies, mm. and I was maintaining my grades, and and he always brought her to lab, which was the worst thing you could do. <laughs> and she was going to Palm Beach Community College mm-hmm. at the time, and she was having some issues with math. Mm. 
And so I was like, oh, I'm an engineer. No problem. We can do this. So I started teaching her math. And then that led to going out to Denny's late at night. And the half an hour math course was like four hours. We got to know all the waitresses there. Mm. And it got to the point where we would walk in there, you know, where to put us and what we wanted and what day we were coming on. So eventually, he, Matt, decided he liked her best friend. <laughs> and he said, you know what? You and John pair up together. <laughs> and I'm going to go after your best friend. Yeah, we did a bunch of double dates. I didn't really understand what was going on at the time. Yeah. But yeah, we did a bunch of double dates together. It was really weird. John and I would end up in the front seat of the car and... He and my best friend would end up in the back. Yeah, well, I didn't know what was exactly going on either because <laughs> I was supposed to be uh, with her best friend, but her best friend was always in the back seat, and Tammy ended up in the front. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> you just liked the sports car. <laughs> That's true. You just wanted to see where we were going. Yeah. What did you get in the math class? Uh, I, I got a C, but um, I was distracted. There wasn't a lot of studying going on, uh, right? That was a C in Spanish, yes. <laughs> but... Uh, it was, it was, yes, math was not the priority there anymore. <laughs> it was about what we're eating on our nachos mm-hmm. and just reminiscing. And we would then leave there and go to Jupiter and uh, walk on the beach. Walk on the beach at mm-hmm. night. And, and just, that was it. Yeah. Wow. So I was, it was a couple of weeks before my 20th birthday when we got married. You were 23. Yeah, but I liked how you broke up with him. Him and uh, her, Matt at the time and I went up to uh, UNC Charlotte because I was looking to go into that college for uh, doing my uh, upper degree and he was on there when we I think you broke up with him halfway back down when I was at the hotel with him yeah and you just didn't give me any chance (laughs) (laughs) I had to deal with that fallout (laughs) (laughs) so what did faith look like for you guys at that point in your so when I was a kid we grew up pretty poor and the public school system where we lived was in bad shape and my parents made the decision that my dad would pick up an extra route. He was a milkman and they would pay to put us in the Catholic school. Mm. So um, in order to go to Catholic school, we had to be baptized in the Catholic faith. So when I was six years old, they took me up to the altar. They put some water on my forehead and said, okay, now you can go to school. Mm. So I was baptized in the faith, but I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, Growing up in Catholic school, um, I, Got the impression that God was just the great creator. Um, he was somebody who disciplined because we had to go to confession all the time and we had to do penance for our sins. And so it was like this person that I could never please who was always angry and upset with me. And so I believed in God. But I didn't really have a personal relationship with Christ or with God or anything like that. Um, When I was in sixth grade, went ahead and left the Catholic school system to go back to public school. My family never really went to church. And I had some friends that were believers, and I went to church occasionally with them. But that's kind of where my journey with faith stopped. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I think you didn't know that. (laughs) You always learn something. <laughs> so mine was the polar opposite. Um, I'm, I was an Orthodox Jew. Uh, my family uh, owned Shaney and Carousel department stores, Thousand Trail Isles. So we came, I came from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, my family, brother and sister, and the rest of them grew up in New York. I was the uh, oops in Texas. And we moved to Tennessee 
And uh, very traditional. If you ever watch Fiddle on the Roof, that's my family, but with money. Mm-hmm. And I, being the youngest, I was the most forgotten kid mm-hmm. in the family. So when they took me to school, I went to a Baptist daycare school mm-hmm. in Brentwood, Tennessee, right outside Nashville. And that was my first exposure mm-hmm. to uh, people with rulers, weird sense of uh, holidays, mm-hmm. not knowing what this red fat man does. <laughs> it's like we had Hanukkah Harry. I know Hanukkah Harry brought stuff, but not the jolly fat guy. Mm-hmm. And so I was growing up under that impression. And it became more apparent as I grew up that uh, Christianity kept invading into our lives, meaning um, I had a lot of people always questioning my faith. Mm. Um, You were the person who put uh, Yeshua on the cross. I had a principal that checked my uh, head every morning. He asked me to remove my hat. Yes, that's when we were allowed to wear hats in school, Mm -hmm. back in the 70s. And he would always ask me where your horns are. I was like, I shaved them off for you today. Mm. And that impression came, of course, from Michelangelo's painting of Moses mm. with the horns. So, and then I, then this was also the Tammy Faye Baker's mm. uh, scenario and all that. So my perspective was like, what's going on with this weird religion? And then I'm running around from other people trying to beat me up every day at school. Mm. And I was the only Jewish kid in school. Mm. So my perspective was a little distorted mm. and... I just kept saying, why are you looking for the Messiah when the Messiah, you said he's come, mine says he hasn't, and we were having a major conflict. But that side started to bleed in. Uh, When we moved uh, to Kentucky, when I moved to Florida, and I started interacting with more older adults Mm -hmm. in, well, I don't know if you can call high schoolers adults, Mm -hmm. but a little bit more mature than my four and Mm five-year-old grade area. That's when I started interacting and understanding what's going on a little bit more. Mm. Okay, we're more tolerant on that end. Mm. But it was very interesting growing up. Uh, out of my family, I'm the one that had all the, the broadest exposure to other religions. Mm-hmm. So what about when you guys started dating? So when we started dating, it, I mean, I knew he was Jewish. He knew I was Catholic. It wasn't like some crazy discovery right. we found mm-hmm. out on one night. Um, and we, we spent a lot of time on Jupiter Beach just sitting there talking about mm-hmm. our faith. And I can remember one night in particular, we were sitting there, and we made the agreement um, that we would never try to convert the other. That we would never force our faith or force the other to follow um, the other one's traditions and, and ideas. And the, the final the decision was we both believe in God. And God is good and God is creator. And the rest of it will work itself out. I think that's one of the reasons, too, mm-hmm. we waited so long to have kids because, right. like, I can remember our first year being married. We were married in July and December came Christmas. And I wanted a big, beautiful Christmas tree. And we ended up with this little Hanukkah bush, dinky pencil <laughs> tree and a yeah. couple of ornaments. That's because I was cheap. And I was like, no, we're, we're going to use it. <laughs> we're we're going to have a double purpose bush. Yeah, we still have that Christmas tree. Our son puts it up in his dorm room um, mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was kind of disappointed that we didn't 
go crazy for Christmas. And you were like, why are we doing all of this stuff for Christmas? Yeah, yeah it's extra work. All I have to do is like my Hanukkah lights and you want ornaments and tinsel and the cat's throwing up with tinsel coming out of its tush. <laughs> you know, I was like, he can't do that um, with lights. He would just catch on fire and run around. Yeah. So it was it was challenging. I John's mom gave me a... Um, Jewish cookbook that the synagogue, she had bought from the synagogue with all these old recipes, which I absolutely love. And we bought a lot of books on Judaism so that I would understand all the traditions and the cooking and the terminology. And that's because I always told you, watch Fiddler on the Roof, don't ask me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I took time to really learn a lot about the Jewish holidays. And we made the commitment that we would celebrate both, both the Jewish holidays and the the Christian holidays. And it worked out pretty good. It was very civil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not civil between Tammy and I, civil between our uh, in-laws and parents and mm-hmm. the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. They yeah. looked at each other. <laughs> so how did that go? <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, so my parents said that John was too worldly for me and his parents said that I was too poor for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think that the religion piece of it concerned the them the most. Mm-hmm. And they, neither one of them wanted us to get married. So we were going to elope. And my mom pitched a high holy fit. She's like, I'm going to watch my only daughter get married. So we said, all right, well, we'll, we're going to pay for this because we don't want you guys dictating Mm -hmm. what the ceremony is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And we got married in the back of a flower shop with the justice of the peace. And we asked him not to say anything religious during the ceremony because we knew that if he went one way or the other, we were going to be in trouble. Right. Well, let's set up the scenario, though, so everybody can imagine it. So when you walk into the back of the flower shop, you had this little chapel. Mm. And there was about 10 rows of chairs, maybe six deep on each side. And one side was my family. <laughs> the other side was her family. And there was a blizzard of snow in the aisle. <laughs> With the looks and and, uh, and feelings, the coldness and everything else, it was it was quite fun. Yeah, mm. it was so, definitely interesting. So we we asked the justice of peace, please don't say anything. And about towards the end of the the ceremony, he kind of grinned at us and he started talking about Peter and things that he said in the New Testament, and you could hear a collective <gasps> from John's side of the family, and it was so awkward and. It was just, yeah. I it thought was, it was great. My, <laughs> I had the Dr. Spock or Mr. Spock eyebrow go up. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and, uh, and and then what happened was immediately right afterwards, we're like, see you guys. We ran out the door and went right on our cruise so we didn't have to deal with anybody. Mm. Yep. We but, did a cruise to nowhere. They, out, they all did a reception for us at a restaurant, but we didn't but go. <laughs> you left out the most important part of the whole scenario. What was that? Well, let's step a little bit before we, uh, when we met, I was in the service. I was in Navy. Her father was a Marine. So we had some, well, him and I had a lot of camaraderie back and forth battering because that's what Marines and Navy guys do. As a Marine and Navy guy, we're always 15, 20 minutes early, no matter what to something, unless you involve the wife or the girlfriend. So when it was time to get married, I was there over two hours early, basically waiting. Oh. And I waited almost an hour after the time that she was supposed to be there <gasps> to, to show up. I, I've gotten much better over the years. Yes, we're about 10, 15 minutes now late. But, <laughs> oh. uh, 
<laughs> but it started about an hour and a half. And I started after after twenty nine and a half years, we, we were whittling it down a little bit here. Wow. <laughs> but that's something we're working on. Yeah, yeah. and that was before cell phones. So right. you didn't know if I had stood you up or if I was just running traditionally late. Yeah, you were a little over traditionally late. You yeah. were like contemporary, modern, <laughs> everything else late. <laughs> so my family was probably more accepting of John over the years just because we weren't super religious. My mom grew up Catholic. My dad grew up Baptist. And your grandmother um, We was never mean. went to church. Like Sunday school wasn't a, a big deal. So I think they were definitely more accepting of you once they got mm-hmm. to know you better. Um, but John's family, like, was right. well, again, not accepting of me. Exactly. Um, my whole side. Now, our grandmothers... On my dad, my grandmother on my dad's side was a little bit more acceptive. Grandma Edith was Grandma Edie, yep. amazing. Grandma Annabelle was not. <laughs> but the whole acceptance was, we'll tolerate you. We'll tolerate you in the house mm. because you married our, our son, brother. But as far as the rest of my family and Israel is concerned, I'm dead. Mm. They won't talk, acknowledge. So I lost the whole side of that family. Yeah, it was. Which is. It was pretty difficult in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I was very shy, very quiet. People's approval was really important to me. So, um, having your in laws barely talk to you was challenging. Um, I found out at at mom's funeral that she actually did highly respect me. A lot of her coworkers and friends came up to me and said, you have no idea how much she loved you and respected you. And that just meant so much. I wish we could have had that conversation before she passed. Um, But that really helped mend. And your, your family is definitely very accepting now, especially since the American side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very accepting, very cordial, very loving. Yeah, we were the uh, punching bag scenario for our family. We're mm-hmm. my nephew now. He also married a, uh, a Catholic girl, and they're they're accepted on this side. They're accepted on the other side of the world, um, mm-hmm. with all his cousins that are they're in Israel. Yeah, we. I guess yeah. we kind of paved the way. We did with blood. <laughs> we did with blood and uh, but in tears. But it was you know to bring us where we are today to understand dynamics between. Um, not only marriage dynamics and under, trying to understand how that changes, the fluidity of it changes back and forth all the time based on emotions and thoughts and perceptions. But we understand now how you mix different religions in and how you respect everybody. And, how, and if you have a common core of a belief system, it really doesn't matter where you come from, what side of the tracks you're from. Well, is we learned to draw closer to God and he intervened in our life. We Absolutely. grew closer to each other and like Christ took care of the rest mm-hmm. in the middle. So you started with, um, a common belief in God, yes. Mm-hmm. but you have progressed beyond that. Now mm-hmm. you want to talk a little bit about that. Take us on that journey. Yeah. So we kind of, in the beginning, like the, The teachings that I got in the Catholic Church were, I was young, I didn't really understand what was going on, um, didn't really understand scripture. I owned a Bible, but I had never read it. So I didn't really understand what Jesus had done for me. 
And so I was pretty content with the idea of him just being a rabbi, a good teacher, a good person for probably the majority yeah. of our married life. Like it, it was, it was easy to just sugarcoat it. Yeah. Make that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, it kept things easy between us. It kept things easy for our, our small children at the time. My mom passed away pretty suddenly and it was it was a really powerful time in my life. I grew up a lot during those five months of trying to take care of her in the hospital. And God just swooped into my life in such a huge, amazingly personal, radical way that when I came back home, I, I knew that there was more to this than what I was believing Um and I made the commitment to start studying. It's crazy how God works in our lives. I was at our office. We own our own business. And just a few days after my mom had passed, um, I was at the office. And a woman, she's she's a customer that comes in for jam labels like once every two years. And she happened to just come in. And she invited me to a Bible study at one of the local churches and I made the decision to go. And it was a study on the book of James. Mm. Powerful, powerful mm. study. And I learned so much about my faith. I mean, I didn't even know that James was in the New Testament. I was so ignorant about the Bible. And I can remember one night after leaving that Bible study and not wanting to go home. And I went out to one of our local parks. Um, it's water there and sun was setting. I had Laura's story blaring on my, my mm. car radio. And I just got out of my car. There wasn't anybody there. And I just got out of my car and fell on my face uh, right there in the parking lot and committed my life to Christ. It mm. was just God and I and uh, made the decision that I was never going to go back and started holing up in our bedroom, studying the Bible and mm. Yeah. My poor husband. <laughs> I thought she was one of these uh, religious freaks all of a sudden mm. because it went from a dynamic of just being superficial and just saying very easy words to make sure we're not crossing any wires that they're, mm. they're going to catch on fire to what have you done? Is this the exorcist upstairs mm. <laughs> of, of the good kind? Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I I tend to do things over and beyond, and this was no exception. I can remember my my kids; they were they were pretty small at the time. I think they were like eight and six, and they come knocking on the bedroom door. Mom, are you gonna feed us dinner? Because mm-hmm. I was just so wrapped up in the word, and uh, so I was trying then. Like I was so excited about everything I was discovering and everything that I was learning and the ways that God was working in my life. I was so aware of God that I wanted John to see and experience this. Mm -hmm. So now I'm starting to slip him scriptures and I'm like hinting Mm -hmm. that he should read scripture. And he's like, like, I'm trying to force this down Mm -hmm. his throat, which is not making anything better. No, it wasn't uh, because when I grew up, as a Jew, we would go to Tuesday from 5 to 9 at night, Thursday to 5 to 9 at night, Shabbat through Saturday and Sunday, all studying the Torah. So we would know inside and out every paragraph, every uh, 
every I, every T, everything that you would need to know to cross everything so we would be well prepared. In Jewish studies, we also learned about all major other religions mm -hmm. because we had to be well-rounded to say, well, if you're, if you're accusing me of this, well, let's look on your side. So it was more pointing differently. It's like, well, why are you pointing all your fingers at me? You got to remember when you point at me, three more are pointing back at you. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait a minute, that's the Trinity. So if you're not following the Trinity of the three fingers, why are you doing accusations? Why are you accusing? Mm -hmm. Which would make people stop and think. And so I'm sitting there, and she's coming, oh, did you hear this? And it's like, that's New Testament. Let's talk about the Old Testament. I would always divert her back to the Old Testament, and we would have some discussions. But what started to click in is she would quote something from the New Testament. I was like, that's not New Testament. That's Old Testament. And she's like, no, it's New Testament. And she would show that to me. I was like, that's from Isaiah. That's from Hosea. That's from Jeremiah. That's from Deuteronomy. That's Psalm 20. And then when you start, I started putting the pieces together. And that's when I started interacting with her more mm. as a challenge at first. Yeah, things got a little dark between us mm -hmm. before it got bright. It was definitely, like, as I drew closer to God, because John wasn't drawing closer to God, like, I was drawing away from him. And I think there was a, a, a small time there that you were almost jealous <laughs> of the relationship that I had formed with God. Like I was spending so much time in the scriptures that I was neglecting you and the kids. Right. And that didn't help our, our no, marriage situation. Well, uh, anything of too much is not good. And, you know, you always hear this quote, it's always darkest before dawn and <laughs> with great response, you know, great knowledge and responsibility. And I was like, well, this is not a Spider-Man movie <laughs> or anything like that. Sorry, Stan. <laughs> but uh, it, it just, it, it became a, a, a dark game between us mm. of spitting out different quotes and then comparing. And then one day we kind of woke up. Yeah. And I was having great debates with one of my customers who was um, a pastor of a Methodist church. And this was one of the first times in America that I could sit down with a pastor who was very respectful. And him and I built a relationship on Bible quotes and asking. He would ask me questions about the Old Testament. I would ask new questions. And I started seeing a different light of somebody who is spiritual based on what you're supposed to be learning, not what you were told to learn. Mm. And his heart was open when he started opening up my heart, my eyes, taking the, the planks out of my eyes of saying, what is this? Uh, what, what is Christianity all about? Because again, growing up, I was always being uh, hunted down from kids trying to beat me up and people pointing fingers and yelling and screaming to here's an open hand uh, willing to explain and talk to me. And because of his position, I, I, I uh, had great respect. Now, when I used to go to Israel, I would sit and talk to Mustafs and talk to the Greek Orthodox. We would sit there at the bus station down in Jerusalem and have great discussions like, well, this is interesting. Nobody's trying to kill each other, blow each other up. We're having great discussions. Why can't we do that on the other side of the world? Mm -hmm. And so when she started doing this and I started having that back talk with Pastor Al. Yeah. And Pastor Al, he was the pastor of the non-denominational church that we mm -hmm. actually ended up joining. So I made the decision. Uh, my son and I went to a Christmas cantata at that church and it was just, it was so amazing. And I thought, why do I only want to feel this way during Christmas? I 
could feel this way every Sunday. So I started going to church, uh, my son, Adam and I, and, uh, just a couple weeks later, I did a karate kick cause I was excited about something my kids had done. And I did this crazy karate kick and completely messed up my knee. I ended up on crutches for six weeks and I did point and laugh at her. <laughs> <laughs> and so that Sunday after I'd hurt my knee, I I was going to head to church. And John's like, well, you can't go to church. Like, you're hurt. And I said, well, it's my left leg. I can drive, so I'm going to church. And he's like, well, what is everybody going to say if you show up to church hurt and I'm not there with you? And I said, well, then I guess you're going to church with me. Mm-hmm. And so you did. You and mm-hmm. Amanda got in the car and all four of us went to church. And we went to church every Sunday for 10 years. Yeah, at the and church. And we would do Wednesdays and everything else. And Got very because, involved. again, I was going into a situation thinking I'm going to be nailed somewhere yes. or put in a closet mm-hmm. where I walked into a very spiritually fed, spiritually stable environment that people were hungry uh, to, to be spiritual as far as forgiving and loving. One of the Old Testament. And I found that the Old Testament predicted the New Testament, mm-hmm. and the New Testament fulfilled the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And you can't have one without the other. It's a complete book, mm-hmm. where one's a half a book of each. And understanding that, and I just had light bulbs turn on. Mm-hmm. I was like, why isn't anybody else not doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when we started going more in depth on studying and talking. And then she's like, John, I was like, yes. She goes, I got something for you to do. And I was like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. It's like, is this a honey-do list? Am I fixing something? What am I going to do? And she's like, there's this uh, thing called Emmaus. I was like, a what? Mm-hmm. And she goes, Emmaus. I was like, the walk, the three-day walk, right? She's like, well, it's not really a three-day walk. You get sequestered on a three-day uh, sabbatical where mm-hmm. it's just you, God, and other people. I was like, you crazy. <laughs> I said, you're, you're crazy, girl. I'm not going to be doing that locked up with other people I don't know. <laughs> so I went on this great uh, sabbatical with, with uh, half my table was blind. <laughs> That I was sitting that's kind at. of a theme of our life yeah, here anymore, always, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we always get something that's weird. So the, t- the guys I was sitting at were blind or deaf, and it was my table. And uh, learning, and he wanted to drive too. He, he got in the bus to drive down the street, the blind one, <laughs> but because he liked to drive, and they, they let him drive. I was like, <laughs> he's like, do you have faith? We're like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and we did make it there. And doing this in Mayus, again, opened up to when you're dealing with somebody who is a mature individual in religion, maturely spiritual, mm-hmm. everybody gets along because everybody sees the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what was starting to bring me a lot closer to where I went from an Orthodox to conservative Jew to I'm what you call a believer mm-hmm. on that end, a messianic. And to confirm this transformation one of my clients up in Brooklyn is a uh, Orthodox rabbi who we're doing his websites for. And I was finally, he kept asking me, when are you coming up? We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Finally, I said, well, rabbi, um, I was kind of embarrassed at first. I was like, because I want to lose him as a client. I'm going to lose a rabbi to talk to with other issues. And I said, well, my wife's Catholic. Oh, that's nice. I'm like, really? He's like, absolutely. Did she convert? He's like, nope. <laughs> I told her not to, and he's like, why? And I gave all these reasons. Mm-hmm. And he sat and thought it was really amazing. Mm-hmm. And now he's up there. Uh, he was one of the rabbis that opened up Congress and on their prayers and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, very respected one up there. 
And now he's starting to bring Muslim, Christian, and Jew in the same place to talk and discuss. And mm. it just opened up a whole new world that I thought I was going to lose mm. to where talking the truth and love mm. opens up more doors. Yeah. I think because your family had like mm. shunned the idea, like they have you converted? Did you convert? Like it was, it was so frowned upon and you were so convinced that you would have to give up all your Jewish roots and heritage mm. if you actually made the decision to give your life to Christ that I think you had probably given your life to Christ earlier than the Emmaus walk, but in silence. Yes. Yeah. But we're so concerned about expressing that. Your exterior. And, mm-hmm. and Rabbi really helped you understand that you could still continue. Absolutely. With your Jewish heritage and your Jewish traditions. There was, there, it makes a complete story. And that's, I think the neatest thing people ask us, you know, well, what is it like? And I'm like, well, John is so versed in the Old Testament, and I've done so much study in the New Testament that we complete each other. Mm. Um, he, I bring things up, and he's like, oh, did you know that that was in Deuteronomy? And I, or he'll say something, I'm like, oh, do you know that Paul references that in one of his epistles? And it's so much fun now to compare notes and study scripture together. Uh, John's family knows that he is a believer and they accept that um the one side yeah we pray together when we go down there we were just recently down there and and we pray together before meals and they respect that yeah so i think i think we've come a long way but as we recount the story i can see all the god moments Mm -hmm. like all the spiritual markers Mm -hmm. in the journey where god intervened to bring us to this place Mm -hmm. and so many people say oh well you weren't you weren't spiritually yoked, like you, you, you weren't yoked together. And yeah, we were, because I think both of us were at the same place in our spiritual journey when we married and God has brought us to where we are now. And we're, we're very active in United Marriage Encounter, serving together um, to celebrate and sanctify marriages, which we believe are under attack. We're very involved in our church. We just hosted a Seder Passover Seder for 125 people at our church, um, part of the music ministry there, and all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's just been such a joy for us to be able to serve together. It is. And, and you're hearing the wonderful parts. But remember, um, as an analogy, we're like a rubber band. Sometimes we're really relaxed and we're together, and other times we're trying to break mm-hmm. and go in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. And God you know, it does, doesn't promise a rose garden on the journey. Mm-hmm. There's always... Things that you have to learn, and when you when you open one door and you go in that hallway, God's you know doesn't promise that hallway to be nice and plush and easy. Mm-hmm. There's glass, there's rocks, there's thorns, mm-hmm. but He does promise when you get to the other side and you open up that door, mm-hmm. that's where the reward is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where we are. Yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful story. Thank, Thank you, you for sharing. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think God definitely showed up there and. Um, you guys have demonstrated um, just fighting for your marriage mm-hmm. in the midst of difficult circumstances, but um, I think it's a beautiful story of God drawing you close to Him individually and then together um, as a couple. So thanks for sharing with our audience today. Yeah. So what advice would you have for someone that might be in a similar situation? Um, what have you learned and how has that affected your larger 
family? So I think learning about each other's uh, religious beliefs and traditions is really important. I can remember growing up as a kid, our neighbor across the street, he was Christian, she was Jewish, and they were doing great until they had kids. And she decided she was going to become kosher. And of course, he had no idea what that even looked like. And it was very sudden. And in the Jewish faith, in order to purify your dishes, your silverware, if you've used them for the wrong thing, you have to put them in the ground. So we would come home in the afternoons from school and all their silverware would be sticking up in their front yard being purified because he had used the wrong set again. And so I think there needs to be a lot of grace there as well. They would they'd be out in the yard arguing over the silverware. So you have to remember what's important. God is important. Um, he's he's the, the rock, the foundation of your marriage. Your spouse should be next. And so there just needs to be a lot of grace and education and teamwork. Um, John was very open to celebrating and learning about the Christian holidays and traditions. Not at first. But you weren't closed off to it either. And I was very open to learning all the Jewish customs and which actually was a lot more work than because our family wasn't wasn't religious where your family was. So the traditions were more structured than what we were doing in our family. Um, but I made a commitment to that because it was part of him and he had dreams about raising his kids in the Jewish faith and what that would look like. I had dreams about raising our kids in a Christian faith and what that would look like. And so we made a commitment to each other that that we were going to do our best to honor those dreams right. and those ideas. Together. Together. And then let our kids finally decide which way they want to lean or not lean at all, one side or the other, just mm -hmm. enjoy both. I mean, you know, Hanukkah gifts, Christmas gifts, it's best of both worlds mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and the food it's funny because our our son um his favorite holiday is passover and they consider themselves believers like they mm -hmm. consider themselves jewish um, but they believe christ is the messiah and they came to that understanding themselves through their own studies and we never forced just like we no. didn't force it on each other we didn't force it on our children right. either and, and through them I mean, uh, my son was called the, the Jesus man mm -hmm. at school because he's the one who did all the flagpole uh, Bible studies mm -hmm. and everything else. And then he would bring all his friends home and we'd have, what, 10, 15, 20 kids in the room for Hanukkah, all playing dreidel and learning the history, learning why this is Hanukkah mm -hmm. and, and the different perception of what people think what it is versus truly what the holiday is. Mm -hmm. and, and at the same time, doing Christmas with everybody. And it's just... If everybody would just stop and listen mm -hmm. instead of pointing fingers, and it, it opens up such a beautiful new world of understanding mm -hmm. to see. Like I said, when you remove that plank, it's just amazing. Well, and remembering that the hiding Easter eggs is not in Scripture. No. Um, Neither is matzo ball soup. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> in Scripture that says you have to have a pillow behind you at Passover. Like, understanding that... So much of what we do around the holidays are man-made traditions. Mm -hmm. And so if we take our focus off of the man-made traditions and we put it on... The reason why. Yes, the reason why what Scripture is telling us that we should do around these 
times of remembrance, which mm-hmm. is what they really are, and and praise, then things become a lot simpler than so, wondering, you know, worrying about how big your Christmas tree is. So what I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what we're trying to say is, is when you have two people with opposite religions, sort of, even though it's very closely related, as long as we take off their traditions of when this goes this way, we're supposed to turn left and then you're supposed to turn right. And we step back and we ask, our, ask ourselves, what is the true purpose? What is the purpose behind this? What is God's purpose that we're supposed to be doing this, not man's purpose mm-hmm. of what it is? And it's an amazing, uh, life-changing event where these, like I said, the light bulbs go on. And you're like, oh, that's why we're supposed to truly do it. And that's what brings... That's what brought Tammy and I closer together to respect each other, respect our belief systems. And we just found it basically it's the same belief yeah, and everything. Yeah, I think our um, audience can relate even if they don't come from different religions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because there are a lot of differences that we bring into marriage from our family of origin or just individual um, preferences on how we celebrate certain things. So I think the point that you're making is um, – applicable mm-hmm. across uh, many circumstances that we find ourselves in. I will right. say that having come from a Jewish, John being Jewish and me being Christian, it made the holidays a lot easier. Mm-hmm. We didn't yes. have the, like on Passover, we were with his family on Christmas. We were with mm-hmm. my family. There wasn't that go to five different houses for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so that made it easier. Thanksgiving was a little difficult. Mother's Day yes. and Father's Day were a little difficult, but that was only a couple times a year. So, absolutely. As long as, as, long as where the, wherever the ham ended up is where I was. <laughs> it's very kosher, but it was good. Thank you. You're welcome. So, as we close out today, um, we like to ask the question of what's something that you do to keep the spark alive in your marriage? This could be, you can answer individually. Um, so, whoever wants to go first, like you get the first shot at what do you do to keep the spark alive in marriage? Um, the PG or the X-rated R. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we, <laughs> well, family friendly, honey. I been family. Um, we're constantly praying in the morning together. Yeah. We read one of the best things we found that really brings us close and keeps a spark with us talking and relating is before we go to bed. We always read a book. We're reading books of the Bible, mm-hmm. and we always read a passage, one chapter of each of that book that we're working on together, and we discuss it. And I think bringing each other and, and, and just respecting each other's thoughts and opinions mm. brings us closer. Yeah. And Uno. And Uno. Uno is a great game to, <laughs> to have over with. And. Yeah. Um, we try to be very intentional about like not just asking, so how was your day? It was fine. How was your day? It was fine. We spend time discussing things going deeper like really how are you feeling how do you feel about that Um, how did you feel about that client so that we're in tune more in tune Mm -hmm. with each other and yeah I think the conversations that we have each day just to kind of unwind and has helped keep us close together and sometimes we also remind ourselves where where we've been where we are and where we're going yeah. And serving together. And serving. Serving it, is that's important. Been, that has been huge, being able to serve together and work together. We've worked together our entire lives. Um, 
we worked for CompUSA when we were first married and then owned our own business now for 20, 23 years. Three years. So we've always worked together. But and so being able to serve together has just added a whole other dimension. Absolutely. Awesome. Well thank you. Thanks for yeah. being here. You're welcome. And we appreciate the time with you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm excited. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Marriage in Today's World. Your host today was Pam Beadle. Special guests were John and Tammy Fleischer. Marriage in Today's World is produced by Austin Newton and Pam Beadle. For more resources on this and other episodes, visit us at marriageintodaysworld.com. Marriage in Today's World podcast is a partner of United Marriage Encounter. The views expressed and resources mentioned in this program are not necessarily those of United Marriage Encounter. Strengthen your marriage today at unitedmarriage.com. 